geocaching scripture. Geocaching is that rarefied sport hobby of finding these little treasures in different places along familiar trails usually. Sometimes along uh, far out places there's geocaches deep in the ocean, there's geocaches on the top of mountains, all kinds of different places. And it's basically like putting the treasure hunting back in familiar space. And a geocache never has a whole lot in it. Uh, usually just a log of people who've been there, maybe some toys and trinkets, and the joy of it is in the treasure hunt itself. And I thought that was a perfect metaphor for what it means to look into scripture and see the little treasures that are there. And in my opinion, the Holy Spirit is the original geocacher and put in these treasures of language, historical situation, even puns and jokes in different places that you can find deeper meaning, deeper dimension to scripture you might know very well. I've been in the scripture my whole life. I've been in the church my whole life, and it got almost over familiar. Um, and I wanted to to find some new things and find some new dimension. And so that's how I came up with the geocaching metaphor, and it hasn't failed me yet. So Merry Christmas to all from the Blanket Fort. Um, I hope you guys are doing well and that your house is, is laden with new toys and wrapping paper and all sorts of other fun things and a tree that is losing its needles all over the place. That is a exact uh, description of my house right now. And I don't know if your house looks the same or not. We have broken one toy so far. Um, and I'm sure we'll have a couple more broken by the end of the day. So let's get digging. Woo! You know, we have absolutely no words from Joseph, the father of Jesus. Joseph, the father of Jesus. So Matthew uh, chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And this is kind of when he first appears, Joseph. And we don't know much about him at all. Um, he, and we never have any dialogue recorded from him. We know a little bit about his background, and that's about it. And I can think of, just from my own life, and all along the geocaching metaphor, it's kind of interesting. So if you live in a very Catholic area, um, sometimes there is the belief that if you bury a statue of Joseph in your yard when you're trying to sell your house, you'll be able to sell your house. And... This is um, something that's usually kind of an older belief, kind of an old school belief. Um, but you can go into some towns, and I've been to them, where you go to an Ace Hardware and you might find a bunch of small Joseph statues by the cash register itself. And when I moved into my house in Indianapolis um, a few years ago, uh, we were living right across from the uh, large Catholic church and school that was there. And I was digging in the garden one time, and here I come across this little headless statue of a guy holding a saw. Turns out it was Joseph himself. Well, that's kind of interesting. Um, and he's part of the story that brings dimension to the story, and the little bit we know about him tells us 
a lot, and I think that's what's beautiful about it. I want to do a shout-out right now to Dan Hintz. He's the associate pastor of my church. I will be plagiarizing most of the information that I have for you from him. So thanks, Dan. Um, I'm going to go ahead and steal your hard work and research right now. Joseph, father of Jesus. So what do we know about him? We know that he came from the line of David. And he came from the line of David. Now, that would have been quite a bit of pressure on him to be in this sort of dynasty family. It would be like having a really well-known last name. Uh, my last name is McDonald. And that means I'm associated with the restaurant, which means nothing, because I'm not at all, which would be wonderful if I was, but I'm not. Um, but his name would have been just as recognizable. Joseph, son of David, line of David. He would have been under a lot of pressure to carry on that dynasty, that the Messiah was to come from that dynasty, and he would have been under a lot of pressure to marry the right girl. And here, the girl he's betrothed to, which is kind of like a pre-engagement in that culture, very, very serious and very formal and ritual, ritualistic. It wasn't just, you know, that they fell in love or something like that. They were betrothed, which means they were going to be married. Here he is betrothed to a girl who is suddenly out of nowhere pregnant. And so he has all this pressure on him. Marry the right girl. Do the right thing. You are honor-bound to hold up the family. And here she is scandalized, which is very interesting. And it says that he was going to divorce her quietly here. And that's what's that, I think, is tells us so much about Joseph himself. By all rights... What he could have done in that culture was not just divorce her and leave her up to fate. He could have dragged her into the town square by her hair and had them stone her to death. That was his right in that culture. Sick and wrong as it is, that was his right. That would have been the usual treatment in a situation like this. But Joseph, like other people, especially that we see right around the Christmas story, had grace. He saw around the rites to see the true intention of God, the true intention of God, which was love and grace in the world. So, instead of taking on his, his quote-unquote rites, he chose grace. He chose grace over law before Paul even wrote those words before any of that had happened, before any of that had become an idea, he is this grace person who appears in the middle of it. And he takes her to be his wife. Does not have the chance to name his child, which would have been one of their rights. He does not have the chance to consummate with his wife, which would have been one of the rights of both of them considered in this situation. There is a lot that he does by not doing. And that's one of the great lessons, I think, of Joseph, is that he is part of this quiet, faithful, walking, and stepping to the side to let God work. And it is really an amazing story, the further you look at him. And so, as he 
is there and and Jesus is born and he's there as a young dad and I am I'm not a young dad I was a young dad well I was a new dad at least um but that that world is that part of life is absolutely overwhelming um and you don't have the bandwidth to do hardly anything or think hardly anything or or wake up in the morning sometimes and suddenly he's told to move to Egypt. And Egypt, what the heck? You know, that comes out of nowhere. And he's he's talking about they're talking about the promises of Israel, the promise of the Messiah, the promise of deliverance, and they tell him to go to Egypt, which is where Israel was delivered from. That's our whole identity. Hey, we we left there. We're not gonna go back there. But that starts the story again. They're going to come out of Egypt. Jesus is going to come out of Egypt. He's going to pass through the waters of baptism. He's going to be in the desert for 40 days. All these things that are very symbolically replaying the story of Israel and completing it. And this move to Egypt is the beginning of that. And Joseph, the quiet man of faith, the stepfather of God, takes these steps. To help rewrite the story. And that's what Jesus is about, is rewriting your story, redeeming your story. And it's Christmas time. And it's time to think about these things. How can Jesus rewrite your story today? I know Christmas is over, but Merry Christmas anyway. And Happy New Year. Here at Geocaching. Cheers. <laughs>